God is good all the time. He is always, always good. I think the biggest struggle for a preacher like me is not sounding like a broken record. (laughs) But you know what's funny is with my children, I have to tell my children the same exact thing a thousand times and they still don't listen. (laughs) Uh, It becomes frustrating as a parent. We're learning having teenager. But the Lord is so patient with us. He loves us so much. And he tells us the same things over and over and over and over again because of his love for us, doesn't he? His love for us. We should never, ever get tired. We should never say, oh, I know that. I know about his love. I know he died on the cross. I know about his blood. We should never become familiar with that story. We should be so enamored by it every single time we talk about it. Every time we open his word, we should be overwhelmed by his truth, by his life, by his love for us, and that he has preserved it for us. It's an amazing thing to walk with God. There is nothing else, nothing else compares. God gives us many freedoms, many blessings, but there is nothing like walking with him. And I just want to uh, share briefly with you today uh, something that the Holy Spirit put on my heart so strong, and I'm just going to trust Him to bring it. And Holy Spirit, you bring it. But He put it on my heart so strong, and maybe it'll be um, many listening as well. I feel like many others were meant to hear this, and I pray that the Holy Spirit gets it to them. We have technology today, and... I pray that they'll be listening. And so for you listening, this is for you today as well. But the Lord just put on my heart that there is an overwhelming epidemic of stress in this nation, in in Western society, in society itself. But as Christians living within that society, Far too many times we bring those stresses of the world into our Christian lives. And the Bible actually tells us that we are not supposed to think that way at all. The Bible actually says, and I have many verses here, I'm just going to make some statements and whatever verses I get to, I get to, but it tells us not to fear, it tells us not to worry. It tells us not to doubt, tells us not to be anxious, tells us all the things that the world, I've just read, I read a lot and I started studying it a lot and I was watching videos on what is actually happening in the body from chronic stress and worry. And this is admitted, and I know that there's way, way more, the number was way low, But over 80 million Americans admit to living in chronic stress. 80 million. Now that is uh, a quarter of the U.S. A quarter. I mean, a quarter of them are children (laughs) or more. So the other two quarters are lying. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit really wants to bring life to us today. I just want to quickly, I had watched a whole bunch of videos and videos are bringing in things that I don't really need to tell you and show you. So I couldn't find one that would just sum it up. I'm just going to read you just very quickly what stress is and if you just follow with me, okay? Stress is your body's way of responding to any kind of demand or threat. And actually stress is good. Stress is actually God-designed when you let it work the way that God designed it, that is. It's when you sense danger, whether, and I thought this was interesting, whether it's real or imagined. Your body can't tell the difference between real or imagined danger. I thought that was incredibly significant because I believe that the 80 million are living in imaginary danger. 
There are things that can stress us out, and there are times of stress in your life that you cannot avoid, even with Christ, but he helps you get you through it. But we cannot live there. We cannot and we should not be living there. And so what happens is, whether it's real or imagine the body's defenses kick into high gear in rapid automatic process known as fight or flight or the stress response. And it's when your nervous system responds by releasing a flood of stress hormones, including adrenaline and cortisol, which rouse the body for emergency action. And all the examples and all the videos, everybody picks a bear. If a bear was coming after you, you need stress. God gave you natural fear. He gave you a natural worry a natural anxiety. This is not some place I need to be right now. Uh, and when you go towards an edge of a cliff and your stomach comes in, you feel those butterflies, those are healthy, telling you, don't jump. <laughs> All right, but then fear takes a hold of us and we can't go across bridges, <laughs> right? That's not real. But your body is reacting the same way. And so your nervous system is actually doing what God designed it to do. This is dangerous. Adrenaline pump starts pumping. Cortisol starts pumping through your body for emergency action. Your heart pounds faster. Muscles tighten. Blood pressure rises. Your breath quickens. And your senses become sharper. These physical changes increase your strength and stamina, speed your reaction time, and enhance your focus, preparing you to either fight or flee from the danger at hand. And anybody who's ever been in a car accident, it's actually happening in thousands of a second. But it's so weird. Who, who's been in one? Not that we want to, you know, tell stories about them. They're not fun. But you can remember, you, we're able to jerk the wheel. We can remember the car coming. We remember so many, it's thousands of a second. It's actually happening faster than you can process in the normal time. But that instant rush of adrenaline and cortisol to your body, everything in your body is instantly enhanced. And that's why you can know what to do uh, and to uh, avoid it or, and then re remember it. So when it's working properly, stress helps you to stay the stress hormones, that is, not stress itself, not stress like we know it today, but the stress hormones, they help you stay focused, energetic, and alert. In emergency situations, stress can save your life. Stress gives you the extra strength to defend yourself, for example, or, uh, or spurring you to slam on the brakes, avoid an accident. But as all my study, I read that what happens is in the body is there is a certain point, just like anything in God, anything in life, for that matter, is a fine line. Everything is lines. I say, you know, there's lines of sin. Don't go looking for them and you won't cross them. Don't even worry about where sin's line is. Stay in the Lord. But there are lines. There's fine lines. There's a point where you know, something wasn't sin and now it is sin. There are fine lines where we have the natural stresses and the natural fears and natural worries that keep us safe. They're called, you know, a natural worry is I probably shouldn't buy this because wisdom is in there saying I'm, I might not have enough to then pay for my groceries. Okay, that's a natural healthy worry. But worry then says, I can't spend a dollar ever on anything because then my bank account will be less than it is now. That's not healthy. That's not God. And so these fine lines, we can cross them so quickly. And that's exactly what happens with this fine line of God's given stress, the given hormones of stress that are coming. We cross the line and it says that it goes from being helpful and starts causing major, I mean, I just, there's, there's controversial studies and then there's mainstream studies. Controversial says that stress does way more than they'll admit mainstream. I mean, cancer, uh, uh, strokes, heart attacks, 
Uh, some of those are accepted and some of those are, you know, they're still studying. But it says it starts causing major damage to your health, your mood, your pro productivity, your relationships, and your quality of life. So why would we ever want to live in that place? And yet we do, even as Christians, all the time. Maybe not every day in and out, but how many of those days during our week are just filled with stress, filled with worries, filled with anxieties. And this is just mainstream. This is not the Bible. I'm going to get to his word in, a, in two minutes here. But just mainstream, they're just understanding your body that you lose your health, you lose your mood, your productivity, your relationships, your quality of life. And yet, the funny thing is that most of the things we're stressed about are trying to give us all those things. Isn't that ironic? The very things that stress take away are the things that we're so stressed about achieving. And that tells me, it tells me from the outside looking in, right, from we are not of this world. You know that. We're not of this world. We are in this world. We're not of this world. So looking from above, looking from Christ's perspective, looking from his word to the world, that shows me that there's a big problem. The answer is simple. Let's just skip ahead to the very end of the sermon. And I'll, this is the ending of every single sermon that I will ever preach, and it's Jesus. There's one name, cures it all. That's the name on your pill bottle right there, Jesus. That's the name. He's the name. There is no name above that name. He is the answer to every single question, every single worry, every single stress, every single thing you're trying to achieve and being stressed out to get there. Jesus is the answer you're looking for and just don't know it. But then as Christians, we say, but I do know Jesus. But I do know Jesus. But I know Jesus. I believe the Holy Spirit just, I mean, he put it on my heart so strong. And I know that, you know, it's just us here. So sometimes I feel like I'm just preaching to the choir. But he put it on my heart so strong that we think we're giving it to him, but we're not. We think we're handing over our stresses to him, but then we pick it back up and we carry it again. I preached just a couple of weeks ago about, you know, Paul out on the ship. And I don't want to get off on tangents, but remember Paul on the ship and, he's, and they just had to let the wheel go. Remember, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel, right? Jesus has got to take the wheel because you can't. We need to let him take that wheel. And I think we think we do, but we're not. We tell him, you take the wheel. We spend our whatever the time is, and I don't even want to give you a bracket of time, but whatever your time is you spend with the Lord, okay, Lord, here's my heart, here's my devotion, here's some worship, here's some praise, here's some prayer, and then we go back into the world, okay, now let me put my stresses and my burdens back on my shoulders, and let's get to work. And we think that's what you got to do, you got to grind it out. Well, we got to do it. We don't have a choice. It's what we got to do. Yes, you do. You don't have to grind it out. You don't have to pick it back up. It is not your burden to carry. Now, I wanted to state that right off the bat because I'm not saying that's easy. That can only be done moment by moment, even second by second with the Holy Spirit in you only, with the word in your mouth, with the word in your mind. I'm just getting ahead of my sermon here. And connected with other believers with Christ at the center of your life. That is the only way. And it will be every day, all day. You have to determine, thank you, Holy Spirit. You just preach it. Go ahead, Holy Spirit. You have to determine to say no to those thoughts. You ever been in like a place in your life where you thought you had something figured out and then later on, you look back with maturity and you realize how immature you were in that place. But in the moment, you think, I've got this figured out. I'm 14 <laughs> and I know what life is. I know what it means. I understand money grows on trees, etc. All you got to do is just, you just go work and just pay your bills. Simple, right? A, B, C. 
And then as we mature, we realize that there was more to it. We think as we're walking with the Lord many times that we are giving him all and stressed. We're not living in stress. We're not living in worry. What the Holy Spirit really started showing me is that we think we are, but we're like 14-year-olds who think we haven't figured out. We just, and, and, and you can't fast forward. You have to go through it to get there. So no one feel condemned. Nobody's feeling condemned, right? Shake your heads. No. <laughs> no, I'm not. Ready? Up and down. <laughs> See, just seeing if you're paying attention. You can't fast forward. You just have to go through that process. But that's what the Holy Spirit really wants to free us. He wants to free us, free this people. We are not this world. We are not this world. We don't have their burdens. You don't have to carry it. The devil wants to tell you, and so does society around you. You don't realize. And the Holy Spirit just started really showing me how much society influences you how much your culture around you influences you. It has such a greater impact on us than we realize. We all end up looking kind of alike, whatever the culture is. Like you can look immediately and say, well, that's that culture. It's not what country they originated from. It's what culture they live in. They have the kind of just this general way of carrying themselves the way that they talk about things, talk about life, New Yorkers have their own reputation for that matter, right? Because the culture has gotten into you. And see, as Jesus came and changed, and, and uh, Benjamin was just preaching about this, that your DNA is not what you were born with. Your culture is not the region you live in. You are a citizen, the Bible says, of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. Our DNA is Christ. Our mind is Christ. Our heart is the Lord's. I mean, you can go through the word and it shows us that you are no longer of this world. And yet, as Christians, we must be so proactive. This is what it says. It says that when it starts causing issues, this is, the, this is what happens. It says that your nervous system isn't good at distinguishing between emotional and physical threats. So stress, God designed it to get you out of a physical situation, but your body, the imaginary, the emotional place, that's where fear comes in. This is where anxiousness comes in. This is, and, and so it says if you're super stressed over an argument with a friend, a work deadline, a mountain of bills, your body can react just as strongly as if you're facing a true life-death situation, life-or-death situation. And the more your emergency stress system is activated, the easier it becomes to trigger and the harder it becomes to shut it off. This is just science. This is just some, I mean, some studies, and these are well-known sources, respected sources, rather. And they say that the more it happens, the easier it becomes to trigger. The more you give in to stress, Worries, anxieties, the easier it comes on, and it says that it becomes harder and harder. Eventually, people can't turn it off, can they? We know people that it just becomes something they just can't shut off anymore. And chronic distress, I mean, chronic stress, it does distress. It disrupts nearly every system. Is this boring? Are we okay so far? Chronic stress disrupts nearly every system in your body. It can suppress your immune system. It upsets your digestive system, your reproductive systems. It increases the risk of a heart attack and stroke. It even speeds up the aging process. And I was watching on how that happens. Literally, your cells naturally, they age. Without giving you all the science, naturally your cells over time break down. But stress tells those cells to make that happen quicker. You literally remove years from your life. Even if you live the same, your quality of life is going to change. You're going to look and feel much older, much quicker. And who has met someone who's 50, but you'd swear they were 75? 
And their life is exactly this. Stress to the, I mean, I know someone, and I swore this person was 75, like 10 years ago. They were in their 40s at the time. But it was stress, stress, stress all the time. It literally kills you. This isn't even the word yet. Are we okay? I'm going to get to the word. You guys trust me. You guys were new. You might be like, he doesn't even read from the word. But you know I'm getting there. It says that chronic stress, it disrupts all of those things. It can even rewire the brain. Now, I thought this was incredibly interesting because it's so much in our word. It can even rewire your brain, making you more vulnerable to anxiety, depression, and other mental health problems. Usually we say that that's the reason you are stressed. Isn't this funny that it's actually initially you, are, you open doors? Come on, this is just the Bible. This is Christianity. We open a door, doesn't seem like a big deal, and we get way, way over here in depression, and then we ask the Lord for deliverance, which he can and will do. But really, it started with you opening the door way, way, way back. Small little worries. Maybe science doesn't agree with me that, that, was, that you were born with that, but I believe the word of God. And so these are just some just last things quickly, and then I'm going to move right into the word. It says health problems caused or exasperated by stress include depression, anxiety, pain of any kind, sleep problems, autoimmune disease, cancer, digestive problems. Some eat more, some eat less. Skin conditions such as eczema, heart disease, weight problems, reproductive issues, thinking and memory problems. It's also a factor in addictions to alcohol, to substances, and social withdrawal. All of those things from stress. <laughs> Uh, you know what's funny? When I was reading this, my heart's racing, going through like all the, th the stuff. And then I just happened to read, because you know everything, on, everything online is all forums, which I never ever write or add to them, but we all read them, see someone else's opinion. And someone said, as a comment to one of these things, that... Um, I know I'm stressed because I got stressed reading this. <laughs> Lord, we thank you and just praise you, God, that you're so good to us. You love us so much. He's so good. He loves us so much, so incredibly much. And I just want to take a few verses from uh, Philippians today and some other verses. But it says in Philippians chapter 3, Paul said, you know, I used to figure it all out of my own strength. And it's such a fine line because when Jesus came, they didn't think they needed Jesus. They thought they had this religion thing figured out. They thought they had this church thing figured out. I got the church thing figured out. I spend more time than anybody in the scriptures. And then there's Jesus in front of them and they missed him. Now, Paul doesn't have his conversion pre-Christ, it's post-Christ. So he goes through the same exact thing that all of us must do and what they were resisting, which is to shed off all of your effort. It's such a fine line. It's like we need to be so diligent to follow Christ and yet we cannot do it in our own strength. You can only do it through the Holy Spirit. I need to say that again. You cannot follow Jesus properly without the Holy Spirit leading you. Even Jesus, now this is controversial because he's the son of God, but even Jesus didn't walk as the Christ. Now he was Jesus, but he was the Christ on the earth. And he didn't even walk on the earth as the Christ without the Holy Spirit. He was Jesus till he was 30. Come on, let's go to the Bible. This is not my own theory. Then the Holy Spirit comes upon him and his ministry began, leading others into the kingdom. You can, and he had studied and spent time with the Lord, and we know that at 12 years old, he's just sitting there listening and studying. So, but to really, really walk in the way that the Lord's asked us, we cannot do without the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus didn't do it. And he said, I don't do what he, I only do what he tells me to say, and I only do what he tells me to do. We have to do the same. So Paul here in Philippians 3, verse 8, he's like, I just, I just throw everything away. 
all my effort, all the ways that I could try and be and do and all that stuff, he says in Philippians 3 verse 8, everything is worthless. Everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. And in verse 9 says, become one with him, or you may know it as, be found in him. Paul was literally devoted to God, but he was doing it in his own strength. And when you do things in your own strength, you miss Jesus. When you miss Jesus, you are in a stressed out, human, you're in a human place of living. You are in a goal, a, uh, a, uh, a self-building mentality and many, many other things. And we can only come to Christ by giving him everything and just casting it all. First Peter 5, 7. First Peter 5, 7, it says, to cast all your cares upon the Lord. Verse, it says, give all your worries and cares to God, the NLT says, because really that's what this word means. It's, in fact, the Greek here, it's your anxiousness. It's your worries. It's not just cares. It's not just, Lord, this is what I care about, but it is your know, things that bother you, the things that stress you out. It says in 1 Peter 5, 7, to give it all to God, for he cares about you. There is nothing and no one, and this is, and that's why I had TJ uh, end with that song today. There is only peace found in Christ. And we know that. I know you're sitting here saying, I know that. I know Christ. But we have to remind our hearts, judge your stress. Judge your lives this week. If you are in and out of stress this week, you should come back to him and say, I'm not doubting your salvation. You're not doubting your own salvation. You're not doubting eternity. You're not doubting your rewards in heaven. But are you truly relying on Christ? Have you truly given him everything? Because if you were stressed out and worried and anxious this week in our little ant farm down here, come on, we have to, I say that a lot, but you re remember, this is just an ant farm. The Lord sits above the circle of the earth. The earth is his footstool. And we're all worried about what we need to get done and do and be and go and our names and our and our, our legacy and, and our building and our growing. And, and we bring that right into Christianity too. And we go, okay, now I'm just going to do it better with Christ. Come on, let's be honest. We just do it the same exact thing, but we're going to do it better now. Now we're going to do things right. We're going to go legit. <laughs> well, that's what it is. Right? When somebody crosses over from the crime world to they want to do things the right way, they go, we're going to do it legit. They take the same exact, everything they learned in that other world, and they just apply it over here, except now they pay their taxes. <laughs> That's what's happening. We cannot do that with Christ. With Jesus, it is a complete and total inside, outside, upside down kingdom. Last shall be first, the first shall be last. The greatest shall be least, the least shall be greatest. Don't try to do it like the world has told you. Don't do it like you've been taught. Don't do it like you see out there. Those that attain, in fact, those that attain the most, if you could really ask them the truth, the most successful people without Christ in our nation are all on drugs. They're all at therapists. None of them are happy. They're all stressed out, to be brutally honest. So it's not what we think it is, living in a place of peace and rest and achieving. The only place that we can live that endures forever is literally 
in Christ. And that's such a hard concept for our minds to get because our bodies are still on this earth and then tomorrow we wake up and we still have to go to work. And we need the Lord to rewire our minds. Does that make sense? We need him to rewire the way we think. There's only in him that we find peace and hope and joy and security and life and love, etc. It's only in him. And I feel like the Holy Spirit said this, that much of our stress and worry is trying to be someone or achieve something that God hasn't asked of us or called us to do or be. Many times we're stressed out because we're trying to do what the Lord hasn't told us to do. And that's what I was saying, that the world around us, though, it influences us, you know, the culture around us, and it tells you what normal is. Dawn's cousin came over from England, and we live in a fairly modest house, I think so, but she came over from England and she goes, man, you, got, you guys must be rich by the size of our house. Because over in London, to have a house like ours, you'd have to be rich. If she's in the suburbs, she's not in the city, but just in the suburbs. And it's so funny, it's all perspective. So we could be stressed out trying to achieve something and trying to get to a place that we would consider normal, or, you know, like, okay, I want to go to that next level. I want to go to a place where it's beyond normal. But if you go to another culture, that's subnormal. Does that make any sense? Many of the stresses and the worries and the cares and the fears and all these things that we carry, the Lord hasn't even asked of us. We get worried about our children. Are they going to do this? Are they going to be successful? Are they going to all this different thing? And we're all worried as parents about children. And the Lord's just like, what are you doing? You realize how short this life is and that, Eternity is really the only thing I want you to teach them. Sure, they can do and be and go, and I have many things and many plans in them and gifts and abilities in them, but don't teach them all that other stuff. Don't focus on those things. Before you know it, your life's going to be over, and you're going to answer not what college you went to and what house you bought and how well your name was known. What did you live for me? I know that that's a little sharp. I know that it may be even exaggerated, but that's the point, is that we, there is so much more to what God has asked us to, to be and do than we realize, and we're gauging it all by the culture and the world we live in. But in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Are we letting Jesus teach us? He says many things that I'm still learning to follow. I love when people say, I like Jesus. And I'm like, well, what Jesus do you like? Because it doesn't sound like the Jesus of the Bible. They just start making up what Jesus is. Well, I think Jesus was this and Jesus was that. But then, you know, the Bible messed him up. I think that the people who wrote the Bible probably had a better perspective considering they were lived there pretty close to the time you lived than you just coming up with something. <laughs> Jesus says, and I said it during worship, you can't even follow me unless you get forsake all. And we want to be brutally honest. You can't even come after me unless you forsake all. Pick up your cross and follow me. That's true Christianity. We're stressed out because we're trying to still achieve in the world, but with Christ's name on our hearts. We don't have to stress. You know the Lord and who has seen him do this? He'll provide for you without you even asking. Who's seen him do that? Who's seen him give you things you didn't even ask him for? The Lord doesn't really need our prayers. Our prayer is, it's complex and I don't want to just brush it off. He is bigger and beyond. <laughs> the real truth is that he knows what you ask, the Bible says, before you even ask him. 
the asking is really that there's a couple multiple things. The enemy is there's a part of why we're praying is we're pushing back and clearing some things away and breaking some things. And there's a huge part of prayer there. But when we're actually asked the Lord for something, that's the type of prayer I'm talking about, that prayer. We're really just lining our heart up. This is what we should be doing with his will, lining our will up with his will. Many times we're bringing our will in, we bring our heart in, and we say, okay, Lord, this is what I want. This is what I want you to do without asking him what his heart and what his will is. And yeah, we can, there are many that even have demanded on heaven, have pushed so hard that God has given people things that he didn't think was best for them because they prayed hard. The best prayer you can pray is with the prayer that Jesus prayed, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Because Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, let me teach you. So this is what I'm trying to say. Go to his word and find out what normal is. Many of our stresses are because we're trying to be normal people. Dawn and I have joked about this all the time, you know, the white picket fence, the two and a half kids, the dog, you know, all your ducks in a row. And it doesn't mean we're going to try to like live like weirdos. But we have joked about it many times that so much of society, we don't fit perfectly in that place. God's given us, I mean, more, more than I could ever ask for. I don't even ask him. He just gives it. Just gives, 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 gives. And that's just from him. I don't even ask him for those things. So it's not about that. But we don't quite fit in all the perfect boxes of what you're supposed to do and when you're supposed to do it and how you're supposed to do it. And the thing is that the only people that would be judging that are the world, not God. What is our norm? Are we letting the Lord teach us what is right and wrong? Are we letting the Lord teach us? Let me teach you. Take your yoke, take my yoke rather, upon you. He said, give me, come to me, you're weary, give me your stuff. I'll put my yoke on you. I'll teach you. I will teach you. I will walk with you. I'll show you how to live. Most of our stresses as Christians is because we're still trying to live. Live. Just trying to live. <laughs> Jesus like, what are you doing? Where are you going? Where are you going? He said, my yoke, he said, because I'm humble, I'm gentle at heart. The Lord's so gentle and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Just quickly, some verses here that really touched me in studying this. Isaiah 40, verse 31 <clears throat> Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. There's a waiting, there's a surrender in him. That's what that waiting means. It's get before the Lord, let it yoke with him, connect with him. And we need to do this moment by moment. We think we have, we think we have. I think I'm good, I think I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. You're not. The Holy Spirit really prompted this, and this is for somebody. Wow. Just reminding me. When we say to the Lord, the Lord's got it, that's not faith. When we say, I'm not worried, I'm not in fear, stating those things is not faith. The Lord's going to take care of it. That's not faith. Unless the heart, the Lord's not interested in our words, as the Bible says. He's like, you give me words, give him praise. It's the actions he's looking for. It's the heart. If the heart and your actions don't equal your statement, then the statement's just in vain. And so many times we say, the Lord's going to take care of it, but what we're actually doing is being apathetic and even, this is, this is weird because we're talking about rest, even lazy about that place of peace in him. It actually takes work 
to live in peace, but it's a different work. Just like the world works to achieve nothing in the end except more stress, we work in Christ. We work at this body, getting this thing in subject to him. We work in the way that he asks us to, and peace comes. Isn't that incredible? The world just got it skewed. That's what the devil does. He takes everything and twists it. That's what he did. The very first sin. I mean, I'm talking, we can open the Bible. Bam, Genesis. The very first sin, he takes the word and he twists it for Eve. Twists it. That's what he does. He twists everything. Even the whole concept. I've said this before. I have no problem with you having retirement funds, so please do not hear me wrong, but the whole society is you work for X amount of years that you are not guaranteed, by the way, and then you retire. The whole society. Do you have good benefits? <laughs> if you don't, I mean, you could go back and get a fifth year in, maybe seven years now, seven years of college in to get your good benefits. We have benefits in Christ, guys. Wow. <laughs> I know. Sorry, guys. I'm just, I'm just talking to the air right now. Listen, if you have good benefits in your retirement fund, again, that's not what I'm talking about. But the, isn't this amazing that the devil has tricked society into doing what the Bible told us, but trying to bring their heaven here and now on earth? And meanwhile, most of them don't make it there. And if they do, they had so much stress to get there that they have cancer and sickness and their kids are gone and their wives are gone and the house is, doesn't matter anyway anymore. And yet the kingdom, the Bible says, work for X amount of time. You give me your life. You give me your heart. You link with me. We'll walk together. Yes, you will die. But there is no such thing as death. Only that body will. And I'll resurrect that body. And I'll secure an eternity. Uh, I'll secure your retirement where, although on earth moth and rust destroy, that won't happen. And although on earth thieves break in and steal all your stuff anyway, that won't happen. Isn't that amazing that the devil has tricked society into achieving retirement, heaven here on earth for a very short amount of time when the Bible guarantees us heaven forever and ever and ever and ever. But we must be diligent with the time he's given us now. And if we do, we will have such incredible peace on the journey. I don't have time, but with Paul, he was beaten. He was destroyed. He went through, I mean, this poor guy. You will read Paul and be like, the poor guy. Holy moly. And he had such peace. He never, ever complains, ever. I just want to close with this scripture here. There's so much more I could get into, and that's always the way it is, even though I never think that's going to be today. I always think, no, today, Lord, is there enough here? Philippians chapter 4, I just want to close with this chunk very quickly. Philippians 4, you know this ver these verses very well. I'm just going to read it in the NLT. It says, Philippians 4, verse 6, don't worry. Everybody say, I'm not worried about everything. No. <laughs> I'm not worried about anything. The, listen. This is what Jesus said. He said, let me teach you. Don't be taught by the world. Don't let the world teach you of what normal is. Don't let them tell you, well, you have to worry about some things. No, you don't. The Bible actually says, don't worry about anything. Worry about nothing. <laughs> Can you imagine living like that? Imagine living like there was no worries. No worries. <laughs> we don't have worries, do we, as Christians? 
<laughs> I'm thinking of that fish movie that Elijah used to always watch that had that in it. We don't worry about anything. It says, instead, now this is what I felt, this is, and this is the Holy Spirit, okay? Listen to me. If we just say, I'm not worried, that's not enough. That's just being lazy. You say, I'm not worried, the devil's going to be like, oh, yeah? I'll make you worried. I don't have any fear. Oh, yeah? I'll give you something to fear. It's not enough to say, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. God's got it. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. The Lord already knows what you need. But what's happening is, when I pray about everything, my heart's starting to figure some things out. Wait, that's not that important. Wait, this is not as big a deal as I thought. And we start, the Lord just starts sorting out the mess, what Hebrews 4 says. And it's another sermon. We don't have time to do that. But we start praying, and it says, tell God what you need. I love how the NLT says this, because this this word we have in the older text called supplication, and that's basically your request. You have your prayer and your prayer request. You tell him what you, you pray and tell him what you need, And I love that it says this, and this Thanksgiving, we should remember this, and thank him for all he has done. I could spend a whole sermon just on that one verse, which we're not going to do. Dawn's looking at me nervous. You come to the Lord and you start just saying, okay, Lord, I'm listening to your word, not listening to society. I'm not listening to anything else. I'm not listening to any other influence but you. Because all those influences, they just stress you out more. What happens when you turn on the news? So you learn. I want to learn. What do you get? What's the reaction? Who walks away going, wow, love the news. <laughs> love it. Who gets on to check their bank account and walks away going, yes. You watch the guy saying, well, you should have done this at 35 and done this. and Should have bought here and invested here. You missed that one, missed this. That's all. You end up going, I missed everything. I missed every good opportunity that ever came. You just get stressed out. I think the Lord makes a lot of Christians miss it on purpose to make us rely on him. That's my personal opinion. I'm not saying every Christian, but, and I'm saying, I don't want to separate real deal Christians from, I don't want to get, it gets weird real quick, start judging and separating Christianity. But I think a lot of real deal Christians, the Lord makes you miss the boat on purpose. Just so you have to rely on him. And then he can, he can do it bigger and better than any investment you could have done anyway. Amen? This is making any sense. All right, I promised I'm closing. Just the rest of this verse here. It says, so verse 7, we thank him. We get to that place. It says, then, everybody say then. Let's say this out loud. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Perfect. I love that. I love it. That was perfect. That was a good cadence. Verse 8 says, fix your thoughts and goes through a list of things. Change your thinking. Fix your thoughts on different things. What is true and right. And get, let the Lord change your thinking. Let the Lord teach you. Don't, you're, you're getting worried and stressed because you think, you think, come on, that there is danger that there's not. You think that there is death that there isn't. Come on. 
change your thinking, he says. Verse 9, Paul said, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. And what he's referring to is these verses especially that he just said, and then the God of peace will be with you. My very last verse, I promise, Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. He will keep in perfect peace all who fix our thoughts. We have to change. We just say, yes, Lord, I'm not worried. I'm not in fear. And not only that, that's not enough, Lord. I just give you my heart. And so we're just going to pray this right now. We're just going to pray for this group and, Lord, the rest of this church. We just take all the stresses, all the worries, all the fears, all the doubts, all the stuff that clogs up, Lord. It's, that place in our mind is for you. And the devil is just clogging up that place with temporary stuff. Things that don't matter in the end and in the grand scheme of eternity. So, Lord, even death itself, you said, was swallowed up. It was swallowed up. You had victory even over death itself. There is nothing to worry, nothing to fear. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So we just pray, Lord, that you can have it all. You can take these hearts and Lord, forgive us for telling you you can have it and taking it back again, over and over again. But Lord, we're asking a genuine prayer, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit, with a fine-tooth comb through our heart, Lord, to find those places that we have not fully surrendered. And Lord, I pray, just as your word promises over and over again, that every need would be met for this church. Lord, I pray that every single sickness in Jesus' name would go in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, that everything in the mind, in the body, and in the soul, and in the spirit that has tormented, has weighed, that it's going in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord. We just put our hand in yours, and we walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen.